Greetings, and welcome to the RPG Review Board Podcast. You're listening to episode 19. In this episode, we join two of the judges in Chambers. Join us as we listen in to a conversation in progress, where judges Nathan and Adam return to the topic of Gen Con. Build as the best four days in gaming, the judges discuss what events they're attending and what they're looking forward to at this year's convention. Join us as the board convenes in support of the betterment of tabletop gaming. Come now, the honorable representatives of the RPG Review Board. We're gathered here today, if you're listening to this on the release day of this podcast, June 1st, 2022, there are 64 days remaining to get enrolled and get your tickets, get your badges uh, for Gen Con, the the 55th anniversary of Gen Con. So Nathan, what are we attending at Gen Con this year? So many things. Uh, We we did our best to kind of load our schedule up with the exception of uh, Sunday. We kept Sunday free, but... uh, um, some of the highlights that we're going to, going to a couple of mega games. Really looking forward to playing Den of Wolves yet again. Well, this be this will be my third Den of Wolves experience, and uh, I think, uh, yeah, the only one I missed was 2020 when Gen Con was virtual. Yeah, so same crew as last year, I think. Yeah, um, I think uh, we'll be adding one more. So we'll actually be coming in with a group of five. Privately, I'm hoping that means we get the Aegis, the Battlestar Galactica stand-in. Yeah. Which would be really fun. But if not, then we might get broken up into four and one or or, uh, two and three, something like that. But we'll see. Yeah. Well, I'll mention for folks who are interested in attending Mega Games, because I've had my hand held this whole time. Last year, I got registered. Everyone took care of me like a child. Uh, and uh, <laughs> this this year, I wasn't even around the day that all the tickets went on sale. So somebody else bought my tickets, and I just reimbursed them. But the way that a lot of the uh, Mega Games work is that they send you an email with information. So we will be eagerly awaiting information about what ship we're, we're assigned to and things like that. So... Um, for a lot of these mega games, each ship has unique powers, and in other mega games, they're equivalent of a ship. You'll have a crew that might be unique, so you'll get information from those mega games via email. So, who who's our captain? Probably it'll go to Jeremy, probably. Yeah, probably Jeremy. I know, I know he enjoys uh, he enjoys being the counselor as well. So he might want that spot. We'll see. But uh, yeah. As Adam said, yeah, you you buy tickets to it, but at some point in time, a communication starts with the organizer. You say, all right, yeah, we bought all of our t- tickets individually, but the this group, we're, we're a group, and they endeavor as much as possible to keep you together in the game, so... Well, if you are a listener of this podcast, scroll back to episode, I think it was episode six, where we talk about Gen Con in detail, and we we really wax poetic with our love for Den of Wolves. So not to belabor that point, but we are playing it again this year. Yeah. So uh, not the only mega game on our schedule this year. We also are signed up for a mega game called Watch the Skies. Den of Wolves and Watch the Skies, from what I have gathered, I, I don't want to sound like I'm an expert in mega games or anything, but from what I've gathered, they're kind of the 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 big games in the room, right? Everybody likes Watch the Skies and everybody likes Den of Wolves. They're both very solid, very well put together games. I have not played Watch the Skies before, but if I was to try and give it a one-line, uh, a one-line description, it's Model UN plus an alien invasion. Nice. So... Uh, the players will be playing as 
the chief figures of various countries. Uh, some players will be sequestered off to the side and they'll be playing the role of aliens that are performing some sort of alien invasion or alien incursion of some kind, right? Um, mm. So there'll be a map of the globe out in the center of the table with positions of UFO sightings and positions of the various world's militaries. Each team has a chief of state. They have essentially a, a foreign secretary or you know a chief of foreign affairs of some kind. Uh, mm. They have some chief of the military, so it's, you know, kind of the secretary of defense or or whatnot. And then they have a chief scientist as well who gets to publish papers to the scientific community and and get bonuses for his for his country's military and such when he does. That sounds awesome. One of the real selling points for me was I was reading the description and it says that it combines a little bit of everything of the following. It has role playing, combat mechanics, tech trees, bluffing, negotiation, etc. So you got to love the combination there. Yeah, and, you know, I, I haven't played this game yet. I've seen videos of it being played, and I've uh, even talked to some people that have played it before. Uh, like a lot of mega games, it leans very heavily on that RPG portion as well, where uh, you're playing the role of, of somebody, right? So you are the President of the United States or something like that, right? And there are people playing as aliens as well. And uh, the aliens can abduct somebody and they'll take you over to the little sequestered area and like talk to you or give you something or... And then you come back and now there's all this suspicion, right? Have you been yeah. replaced by an alien or have you been brainwashed or, you know, so uh, it gets very intriguing and backstabby and uh, wonderful. So really looking forward to it. We want to put you in a Cylon detector immediately after mm -hmm. your return from that little liaison. Yeah. 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 Airlock them. Well, stay tuned for more because I'm sure we're going to want to gush about that. I love the idea that like we're excited about this. We don't have much to say about it because it's just uh, we haven't played it yet. But it is a great segue from Aliens in Watch the Skies to a role-playing game. A is for Alien is another event that we're attending together. So A for Alien is actually, it's a uh, Monster of the Week game, right? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to playing this because I've run some games of Monster of the Week. I've played in some games with Monster of the Week, but it's always been, you know, my friend group or these guys at the RPG Review Board. And I'm really interested to see what somebody else does in the role of the Keeper in a game of Monster of the Week. Uh, this particular game is taking place in 1932 New York after the first alien contact there's a, there's a theme among the games that we're playing i feel <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it just sounds really fun just looking at the description on the gen con page uh just makes me giddy i'm i'm really looking forward to playing this and i want to see a quote-unquote professional uh run the game and see maybe what I've missed or not done as well as I could, or just, just find ways of improving my own uh, game mastering when running Monster of the Week. Yeah, absolutely. Same. Same for me. And I think the setting for this one is going to be fantastic. But but you're right. I am definitely going to have a little mental note uh, to take advantage of learning some more skills from Monster of the Week 
game mastering. And speaking of RPGs, one of the things that I always try to do every time I attend is play an RPG that I've never played before. And this year, we're playing a Dresden Files RPG. However, it's a it's a homebrew of 5th edition rules, which I think is pretty exciting for a couple of reasons. The first is, we love Dresden Files. And Nate, of course, you're, you're an avid consumer of Jim Butcher material, right? Yes. You've read all the books, so you're yep. very familiar. I've read I've read a book or two from the Dresden Files series. I love the uh, cooperative uh, c- card game um, that's dr- set in the Dresden Files universe. And I'm also excited for another reason. There is a Everyday Heroes book coming out soon that uses uh, the 5th edition Dungeons and & Dragons, and it's set in sort of a modern age. It's sort of like a refresh of, of the old D20 modern system, but using the 5th edition rules. So I expect it'll be very similar to that. And so basically a hack of 5th edition using uh, Dresden Files as the setting. So we're, we're pretty excited about that as well. Yeah, uh, this is it's going to be pretty interesting, I think. Um, it takes place in the world of Dresden Files, but as readers of the Dresden Files will know, the vast majority, with very few exceptions, of the Dresden Files take place in Chicago, which is pretty close to home for us, not too far away. Um, this particular game is going to be taking place in New Orleans, though, so that'll be kind of interesting to see what the uh, what the Game Master has in mind for us in New Orleans, see how the yeah. world of Dresden stacks up down there. Yeah, and of course that also frees them up to, to be creative without being wrong um, from canon if you do have, well, actually, um, that actually. didn't you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not that uh, not that really anybody's in a position to call anyone a nerd when you're coming off of a game where you're doing both model you in and role play combined. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we we. I mean, to be perfectly clear, we're paying to do model you in. So that's right. Yes. Yeah, I just I really expect my big brother to just stick my head in a toilet and flush after all of oh, this. Oh yeah, just gonna get, stuff me in a locker and yeah, they're gonna pick me up by my underwear. <laughs> exactly. Let's see, well, we have one more to talk about, I think, that's on our uh, sort of shared agenda. We're doing an escape room together. Now, this is also uh, Starship-related, right? <laughs> yes. As if we didn't have enough aliens slash space. Yes, we are playing a game in... And it's it's going to be a... Uh, it's going to be an escape room, and it's going to be themed on uh, a secret aboard Starship Astraeus. And I don't really know exactly what that's going to look like, what that's going to be. It sounded interesting, so we signed up for it. Yeah. So it says that we have found a derelict galactic concordant starship, and that we uh, are under target by the ruthless Urbraxians. It doesn't define what any of that means, and I'm excited to find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the long description starts with fire positron beams at enemy ships, pilot the astro rover through space. Yeah, I don't know how to do any of that, but um, we'll find out, I guess. So, Well, if any of you have ever played the card game oh, where you just shout out vaguely oh, sci-fi. Uh, space Team, to- yeah. Space Team, yes. It's going to be a lot like Space Team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the description does kind of feel a little bit like that. Grow alien babies from eggs. Negotiate with hostile aliens. Yeah, it's it's all exclamation points. All it's it's gonna be hectic, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you know, we have a we have a history of doing escape rooms together, 
and um, just having the best of times. But we'll probably be shaking Jeremy down for keys as soon as we start. Yeah, yeah. No, no cargo shorts for Jeremy that day. Too many yeah. pockets for yeah. something to get lost in. First thing we do, we make him turn out his pockets. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're listening, Jeremy, this one's for you, buddy. Um, so that's that's all the things that we're attending. I do want to point out, however, that that escape room is is sold out. So I'm excited that they're getting a lot of traction there. I don't know if this is a an event that they have held in the past. I don't recall, and if they have, maybe this is a new theme for this uh, this group. Yeah, I, I'm not entirely certain either if they have done this before. You know, like all things, I'm uh, glad they're getting traction, and anything that um, gets traction and gets people only helps Gen Con be bigger and better, which is, in my opinion, always a good thing. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, the year before COVID started, the 2019 Gen Con was the biggest ever, and it was, you know, over 70,000 unique people and all that kind of thing. And, of course, it decreased the year that they were hosted only online. There were still 40,000 people in attendance virtually. So we're excited to see them safely uh, ramp those numbers back up. And the same sort of uh, safety protocols for COVID are in effect this year as there was last year, and I felt very safe attending Gen Con last year. Yeah, and I should mention that uh, when it comes to those code protocols, I was really pleased with um, everybody keeping masks on and being very safe with each other. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a good environment. I did enjoy that. Agreed. Yep, they did a great job. So um, I wanted to talk briefly about just like Gen Con in general. This was something we didn't do last time, and I was just scrolling through sort of the history of Gen Con, and I thought it was fascinating. I'm not going to belabor a lot of this, but this is the 55th, I think, uh, anniversary of Gen Con, which of course started in 1968 in Gary Gygax's house, um, and since then um, has been acquired by a couple of different people. A very incestuous relationship with Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, but originally it was it was Gary Gygax, and then um, Gary Gygax's company TSR owned Gen Con, um, and then it was requ- acquired by Wizards of the Coast, who of course published Dungeons and Dragons, and that was uh, of course acquired by Hasbro in that merger, and then Gen Con was sold to the former CEO of Wizards of the Coast to him personally as a as a capitalist, and so then <laughs> then Gen Con te- quote unquote went under. Right. So somewhere around 2008, they got sued by Lucasfilm. So George Lucas, we did something naughty at Gen Con, some sort of lawsuit. I don't know the details and I don't care. But uh, ultimately, around 2008, they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. But since then, have come back so strongly. Attendance has been fantastic. And I'm so glad that uh, we didn't give up on a Midwest gaming convention. So we mentioned last time that the infrastructure in Indianapolis is fantastic to support such a thing. So um, and that their safety protocol calls are great so come one come all i'm looking on the interwebs here and uh, as you had mentioned the you know pre-covid 2019 gen con had over 70,000 attendees i'm looking at the 2021 gen con attendance we had 50,000 so uh, according to the google so i think i guess i'm sorry that's that includes across uh gen con online as well so mm-hmm. um that may not be 50,000 people just in Indianapolis. In fact, I think if I recall correctly, they they tried to keep it around half capacity. So yeah, yeah. Some of the other sources say around thirty five in personal attendance, and that would make sense with uh, the seventy thousand uh, twenty nineteen number. So yeah, 
The other thing worth noting is that it's not just exclusively hosted at the auditorium. A lot of the other hotels nearby, including Lucas Oil Stadium, which obviously has a large capacity as well, specifically down on the floor where they play football. <laughs> so that's uh, yeah, 100, yards, it's, 100 yards there to use. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, they, they put out, uh, I don't know, what do you call them? They're just like segments of floor. I, I don't yeah. know what you call them, but it's you know something they designed the stadium to be able to do to convert mm-hmm. from football field to essentially giant auditorium. Yeah, very large puzzle pieces for flooring, and they just assemble them, and and they get them in, get them out, without disrupting anything else going on on the turf there. Well, that location in Lucas Oil is where where I first saw one of uh, a quick segue to another topic I wanted to talk about, which was those sort of like little surprise moments at Gen Con, which there's always one, and you can never predict what it's going to be, because the the beauty Mm -hmm. of Gen Con is that there's so many different hobbies that are sort of wrapped up into roleplay and board gaming we talked briefly about one that we saw it was this like booth where you could 3d scan your torso um, yeah and get a miniature made of yourself yeah it was uh it was really neat yeah they would they would 3d scan you and then they would just basically plop your head on like a figure an adventuring figure so you can make yourself a wizard or a warrior or whatever it's really neat they're basically using what did they have they had um like xbox connect cameras i think right yeah, up. a couple of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and had those rigged up and basically just kind of wanded you, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, scanned your, your 3D image. And yeah, in the X number of weeks, you got a figure in the mail. My biggest regret from that Gen Con is not doing that because I saw it, yeah. but we were on our way to an event, so I didn't get the chance to do it, but... Really wish we I did had. do, yeah, me too. We did do a cursory look to see. I think they were called Minuteman miniatures. Yes, and that's we right. did look to see if they'd be in attendance. Uh, don't don't think that they are, but but my point here is a greater one, and that is like not that I want to see them again. It's just there's always these moments. Another one for us was, of course, we're always buying dice, and sometimes we spend a ludicrous amount of money on them. But um, for regular day to day journeyman usability dice, it's also at Gen Con where I first fell in love with roll for initiative dice. And uh, that's been a a favorite of our gaming group as well. And that's sort of one of those moments where you're just like, I found my thing. You know, very exciting. Yeah, um, I did kind of the same thing with Dice Dungeons. I didn't really know anything about them and just kind of stumbled across them in the, the dealer hall. And just kind of fell in love with all the stuff they do. I mean, they've got all sorts of paraphernalia for running D&D games. From the dice, from their name, but also little condition rings that you can put around characters showing that they're blinded or poisoned or whatever. Quest decks, which are uh, little cards that look like they have a picture of essentially a notice on a, on a notice board in town. So you can just draw a card from a quest deck and say, oh, you find this notice on the board or have uh, a selection of them or whatever, however you want to use them. But as just kind of little adventure hooks. They have these little coins as stand-ins for miniatures. So, oh, you need a cleric? Yeah, I've got a coin that has a little symbol for a cleric on it. And savvy fans of the show may recall those condition markers, those rings. Nathan even jingled them at us, uh, I think, during one of our yes. one of our podcasts to, to gush about them when he first acquired them. And, and I will note, he has since used them on us, as he is now running a 5th edition game for us again. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I have, been, I have been conditioned, my character has. <laughs> yeah, never a good sign when the, the DM pulls out his little jailer's ring of condition rings. 
flips yeah, through. Yeah, it is very telling. Something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, starts flipping through the monster manual and uh, starts searching for the right conditions to put on people. Yeah, I uh, I do love the point you made, though. Gen Con is so big, it's impossible to see it all. and it's And likewise, it's impossible to predict it all. There are... Over 13,000 events in the event schedule right now. And we got an email, was it today or yesterday, that said, by the way, more events have been added. So that just keeps happening all the way up until, you know, the convention starts. It's impossible to see it all. It's impossible to predict it all. And those are just the scheduled events that you, you know, ticketed events that you get tickets to. There's plenty of things happening, you know, like those, uh, like those miniatures we talked about that are just set up in one of the halls, you know. You walk by mm-hmm. it and you you look at it and go, oh, that's interesting. Cosplayers and you'll see you'll see musicians all the time. Uh, you might fall in love with a new musician. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And another one of the uh, the events that we that we like is I guess it's technically a charity. And I do know that the money does go to charity, but I just love throwing quarters at those cards. You, you yes. mentioned pr- before. What's it called? Uh, card Hala. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, it's uh, basically if. Anybody who plays a, a, a trading card game like Magic the Gathering or Yu-Gi-Oh or whatever, you know, you just end up with boxes and boxes of commons that are just, you know, pennies a piece or something that you don't need. And a lot of those cards get donated to Kardhala and people just spend all convention sitting down and building these giant towers of cards and because you know they're donated cheap cards you can fold them and tear them and bend them any which way you need to to build these just massive structures and uh, on the last day of the convention people chuck quarters to knock down all the towers yeah you kind (laughs) of you kind of become godzilla and and wreck a city of these uh cards and then all the coins get swept up and donated to charity and it's all good fun yeah that's very cool and of course there's all kinds of like balloon sculptures and traveling minstrels and all the people in cosplay so even if you're not a gamer bring your non-gamer friends bring your non-gamer partners Um, there's always something to do in fact a lot of folks find themselves you know putting putting their loved ones in like the i'm not a gamer section where they where they do crafts related to games or hobbies and all kinds of movies there's panels about your favorite authors and of course the opportunity for me to segue to one of our surprise finds several years ago which was the the sketch show hosted by dungeon master yeah dungeon master yeah yeah they're so much fun uh who's line but also a little bit of uh live role playing on a stage in front of people making jokes it's it's a ton of fun as well but yes that was purely a uh we got a couple hours to fill what else could we do and yeah turns out it's something we've done pretty much every year since yeah, well, we have made made it kind of a tradition. Another tradition that we have, which we didn't plan for, was at some point we've got to eat, and there's no lack of options when it comes to, to making sure that you're fed well while you're at Gen Con. A lot of the local food places put a food truck together and are out on one of the streets that's closed down. It has music, it has... Uh, you know, sometimes even live performing music and a lot of different places. So we always find ourselves stopping at least once on an afternoon to have lunch at Island Noodles because we love our nudes. We love to have nudes together. Wow. <laughs> uh, my yeah, my my favorite pastime is having nudes around Adam. 
Yes. And so we'll eat our noodles and we'll talk about all of the ridiculous <laughs> purchases and, and, and adventures that we've had. So, yeah, that's always fun. And, you know, Indianapolis just in general has a lot of great restaurants in that downtown area, which is where the convention is. Um, you know, even if you're from out of town and just staying in a hotel nearby, you're going to be able to find some really awesome restaurants nearby to try out. And when Gen Con's in town, every restaurant knows that Gen Con's in town. So a lot of them are staying open on later hours or in or 24 hours, some of them. Some of them will change their menu to uh, be more, I don't know, gamer-friendly. Is that a thing? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, why not? But yes, Indianapolis is very welcoming of Gen Con, as is the restaurant scene. Yes, we love you to bring your out-of-state money and spend it here in yes. our city. Yes, pay taxes in our state. Thank you. Yeah, we love it. Um, so yeah, that's true. It's not just food trucks. It's a great point. There's plenty of restaurants. And, and uh, the other thing is, if you are of age and you're interested in drinking beer, uh, we have a brewery called Sun King, and there's always a brew that they make specifically that's named with some sort of uh, gaming-related something. So they make a special brew that you can buy in cans and on tap at several of the restaurants. Sun King is, I think, a sponsor in some capacity of Gen Con, and they always make a Gen Con-related beer as well, which is not great because neither one of us drink beer. But it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of nodding my head. Yeah, yeah. Beer. Mm-hmm. Well, and they always have cool art on the uh, that's on the true cans as well, which was one of my favorite parts. And it's hard to miss them. They're there every year. Oh yeah. I wanted to sort of wrap up with some of the things that we know are coming out in 2022, maybe even at Gen Con. I know I've had my eye on a couple of things. I'll let you get started. Is there anything that you're sort of allocating extra money in to to buy at Gen Con that you know is either coming out there or at least in 2022? To be honest, I don't know any of these are specifically coming out in Gen Con, but I will say I've either backed or am planning to purchase uh, a few different role-playing games this year that we can hopefully at some point in time try out with the uh with the board um i think the one i'm looking most forward to is one called brindlewood bay um this was a kickstarter i backed uh, probably just a few weeks ago the kind of tagline that they gave it in their kickstarter was brindlewood bay is a tabletop role-playing game that combines murder she wrote with hp lovecraft Love it. Yeah, the players play uh, grannies that solve mysteries. The The game involves solving mysteries when you learn that there's a Hellenic death cult in town. And it takes a very, a very sharp turn into the Lovecraftian. So I'm really looking forward to playing that. It's another Powered by the Apocalypse game, so it may be a little bit before we get to it. I know we've visited the Apocalypse several times already. So, But uh, yeah, it's... It looks like it'll be great fun. Each session is run like an episode of TV. There's even a special move you can do called cut to commercial. So if your uh, if your old granny's about to about to bite it, uh, you can cut to commercial as long as you can narrate a successful like afternoon TV commercial. Then uh, oh. you could use it to get your granny out of trouble. Oh, that's fantastic. I love it. I love it. Yeah, well, I have a couple of things on my radar as well. So I've always been a fan of Pendragon. This game has been around for a really long time. There is a sixth edition of Pendragon coming out in 2022. I don't know if it's coming out at Gen Con, but it's something that I'm sort of uh, looking forward to. Uh, This is a Chaosium product, and Pendragon is one of these sort of epically large scale RPGs wherein you can, as a player, play as a dynasty of families. 
So a lot of times you're used to playing a single character and embodying that character as a role-playing event and experience. But Pendragon is one of those where you get to sort of play generations long. And uh, it's something that I really am excited about. So because it's a new edition coming out, I think that's the perfect opportunity to pick it up and maybe introduce it to the RPG review board. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Um, I don't know that I've played a game quite like that you know, playing as a as a dynasty, as a family. Yeah, that sounds really interesting, and I like the idea of having this this game cover, you know, generations, right? Yeah, really cool concept. And of course, everybody's sort of tangentially familiar, at least somewhat familiar with the King Arthur story. And you're not playing as King Arthur, you're not playing as Merlin, but you're playing in sort of these things that sort of revolve in that, in that sort of galaxy. Yeah. Well, on our list to review at some point is Morkborg, and it is uh, really cool, and we're looking forward to getting it in the queue, but it is also sort of one of these very easily hackable uh, rule yeah. sets. Now, I know I had one on my radar, but you mentioned one I wasn't familiar with. What was yours? Mine is Pirate Borg. Um, Pirate Borg. Another, another Kickstarter backing, and yeah, it's it's essentially a hack of Morkborg uh, using their, their uh, license. Yeah, it's basically a, a pirate game. You know, you get a get a ship, get a crew, go out, plunder, acquire treasure, bury treasure, run from sea monsters, etc. Nice. Yeah, and mine was Cyborg, which is a cyberpunk hack of Morkborg. So we're on the same wavelength. And I and I saw the uh, I saw the description of that, uh, and it sounds like it's going to be really fun. I really want to try it. And then my last one here is, I hate to say it, but it is another sci-fi related thing. It is uh, a new RPG that was kickstarted. I did not back it on Kickstarter. I regret it, but it's coming out in 2022. The first edition of an RPG called Mothership is coming out. And it's sort of a grimdark look at sort of the exploration of different asteroids and vessels. Nathan recently gifted me a copy of Hardship, Hard. Uh, hard space shipbreaker yeah breaker so the idea is that you sort of break down these derelict ships and in a lot of ways i'm like i want to play this rpg but i want to play it gritty well fortunately uh it looks like mothership is going to be something that i can use for that yeah uh and i'll mention that i definitely did back it on the kickstarter because i have a kickstarter problem is what what this is really kind of showing me well, you backed it? Okay, so I'm describing yes. it, I guess, to the audience and not to you, because you're already familiar. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think I think Case may have as well. Oh, gosh. Okay, um, well. But yes, I am super looking forward to it. One of the, one of the things I really liked about it is, um, and this is, you know, this doesn't necessarily make or break a role-playing game, but as anybody who's ever played any board games with me, uh, they know that I like all my little fiddly bits. I like... Uh, games with with really great game components and the mothership uh character sheet its layout is something really unique that i really like and it has essentially a flow chart that guides you through character creation i just think that's really cool and not something that i've seen really done before in the way that they've executed it and uh yeah the entire game kind of gives me those alien vibes right like you're in space and it is terrifying Yes, yes. Even when nothing's happening, the prospect of something happening is scary enough. So yes. a little psychological horror, a little sci-fi, we love it. Yep. And we always find ourselves sort of celebrating character creation rules. It's funny because there's a little bit of dichotomy here. We love 
interesting and unique character creation rules that aren't, you know, rolling 3d6 and writing them into a box. But mm -hmm. we also love character creation rules that aren't so complex like Traveler or Paranoia where you can even die during character creation and it takes a whole session. So, you know, we've got this thing where we love interesting uh, character creation rules, but we also don't love getting bogged down in it. the nature of our of our product uh, of our podcast is that we got to get through a lot of RPGs. So we love easy character creation rules, but we also love ones that, that are unique. So I'm definitely looking forward to games. Yeah. And I game. think uh mothership, I think is going to thread that needle quite nicely. Love it. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Well, I, I gotta say we didn't collaborate ahead of time. It's so funny that you backed it. Actually, maybe <laughs> more than one of us backed it and I'm, I'm already, uh, feeling foolish for that. So, well, that is sort of the highlights of the things that are coming out. But like we mentioned, uh, looking for those surprises just when they come to you um, is another one of those things that just is the magic of, of Gen Con. And, and it always recharges my gaming batteries when we attend together because I love sharing that experience with people. Gen Con is an experience, and I think it's an experience best shared with friends. Um, and it's, you know, it's just a few days, get away from everything. Just enjoy your hobby and be around other people that enjoy your hobby too. That's right. Well, if you do have somebody to go with, great. If you don't, attend anyway. And why don't you go over to rpgreviewboard.com slash contact and uh, let us know what you're attending. Send us an email for two reasons. Number one, I'm interested to know what our listeners uh, sort of are into that can sort of guide our content. But also, Case is the one that manages those emails, so it can be his problem to sort through all that. Absolutely. So my my biggest, I uh, guess, advice as we wrap up here for Gen Con is stop at all the RPG booths, flip to the index, look for the rules for grappling, and tell us what you think. Stand by, my headset came unplugged. Yeah, standing by. There we go. Okay, I get to edit that out later. <laughs> I mean, or not, who knows?